This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Deanna Singh. She is the author of Actions Speak Louder, a step-by-step guide to becoming an inclusive workplace. Deanna, it's wonderful to see you. It is so wonderful to be with you. Likewise. Uh, first off, congratulations. I understand this is your sixth book. Did I get that right? You did. And every one of them feels like something brand new, though. So it's very exciting. I I would imagine, I mean, it's an accomplishment. I always say in and of itself to write even one book, but to write more than one, let alone six is pretty incredible. Um, I I do want to mention you're, you're known as the chief change agent. (laughs) So uh, which kind of gives us insight into all of your books. So tell us what that means, why people call you that Deanna. You know, I love um, when people call me this because I think that one of the things for me that's been so inspiring, right, so encouraging over the years, is just this idea that we all have the ability to make change and to really not just make change to make change, but to make positive change. And so it was kind of funny, uh, this, you know, started off as like, people just introducing me that way. And I thought, no, I'm really going to embrace that because I do think it's the way that I try to show up in all the work that I do, really looking at what's going on, how, what's pulling at my heartstrings, what are the skills and talents, resources, you know, things that I have at my disposal and how can I make a positive change? So I take the title pretty seriously. Absolutely. I mean, and it comes through in all of your books. Um, Tell us, that said, just tell us a little bit about your background and why you're so passionate about change, um, which will, again, it kind of explain it, which will make a lot of sense as as we get to this book. Absolutely. So my first book was, business book really, was a, a book called Purposeful Hustle. And I think that that really summed up why I do the work that I do and, and all the different ways in which I do it. Because I believe that my purpose is to shift power to marginalized communities. And I feel so honored to be able to do that in the healthcare space, in the children's literature space, in the leadership space, in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, and really just all of the, the places that I get to occupy in my daily basis. So for me, that is the thing that draws everything to together, this idea that if we are really doing things that allow for more people to show up and to show up fully, then we can create and build things, not as the world exists now, but as a way that we're dreaming of, right? We can build those dreams that we see in our future. Yeah. And what I love is um, you're an accomplished business book author, but you mentioned you've worked in the children's space. You've, You've written multiple children's books, including one for the American Girls series. How did that come about? 
You know, that was such an amazing partnership, is such an amazing partnership. I'm still right. working with them as a, a lead consultant on a couple of other projects. But one of the things that happened is I had a lot of people that were reaching out to me because of my work in diversity, equity, inclusion, because of my work with young people, because of my work in education, right, in all these different spaces, um, after George Floyd was murdered. And they were reaching out to me with what I realized was a very similar question. And that was, how do we talk to our children about what's happening in the world around us, right? right? How do we approach this conversation. They're asking us questions and we don't know how to respond. We don't know how to answer. And that really like sat on my heart. And I, I was thinking like, whoa, what can I do? And so we ended up hosting um, just a, on a whim, like it was Saturday night, we decided we would host my husband and I a session on Monday night to try and respond to all the people who were reaching out to me. Um, and we hosted a session on how to talk to your kids about race. And it filled up before we even got into the room, it full. And so then we hosted it again the next week. Before the summer was over with, we talked to over 10,000 people. So one of the things that happened is, you know, the lead editor there um, at American Girl, one of their lead editors was on the call. And so she heard me talking about this and they had already been thinking about as an organization, how do we show up in our purpose, right? What, what is a way that we think about how to use our platform? So it created this beautiful opportunity for synergy um, around something that they were working on and something that I felt so passionately about. And that's really how it, how it, the rest is history. <laughs> right. I mean, but, but really remarkable and so relevant, um, you know, because there's so many topics perhaps I feel like didn't exist when I was a kid that do now that really needs, need to be communicated. But you, you touched upon um, this idea of how do we communicate these issues to our kids? But I think it's, it's important to say a lot of adults aren't sure how to communicate these issues within their organizations, which is what the, your current book um, deals with. Uh, you mentioned DEI. Um, for anyone living under a rock or for people who don't understand what all of that means, tell us you know, what that acronym stands for and why it's so important, Deanna, especially in, in the workplace. Absolutely. So DEI is for, it stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what we really focus on is that inclusion piece. That's the place where we spend the most of, of our time, inclusion, and really around the ideas of belonging. And you see, it's so funny that you, that you mentioned this idea of, you know, adults needing this support. One of the things that's been fascinating about the American Girl book is I've had all kinds of companies and all kinds of leaders of all different sizes reach out to me and say, hey, just wanted you to know, I bought this book for my team, right? Like the, we needed some, a resource and this was an exceptional way for us to be able to come together as a team. It wasn't, you know, overwhelming. We sort of loved the, the stories and the beautiful imagery and everything. And it just allowed for us to address some of these really big topics as, as a team. So that was really cool. But the other reason why I wrote Action Speak Louder is because I did have so many people, so many people turn who are like, you know what? I believe that we want to create the most inclusive workplaces. I, I believe in my heart that if we did that, our organization would be in a much better position, but I don't know what that means. And it's almost always a whisper, but I don't know how to do that. Right. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but there's no whispering in this book because you no. really, it, you're speaking loud and clear because it, it's something that, and bravo, because it is a touchy topic. And if you're not familiar with it, like anything, right, you, you need to be taught. And this really is, it's really beyond a roadmap. It, it truly is a step-by-step -step guide um, for creating and making more inclusive workplaces. But, what, but something specifically that struck me, you say where everyone can show up their whole selves. And I thought that was really interesting. What did, what did you mean by that? 
So I think a lot of times, especially as we think about workplaces of the past, uh, there was this idea that never was true, but it was definitely one that, you know, we, we ascribed to, at least theoretically, that when you came to work and you crossed over the threshold, you left behind your family, you left behind your communities, you left behind, you know, components of your social identity. And not everyone, but really the people who are part of these marginalized groups, right? And then you were supposed to step over the threshold and then you were work Deanna, work Taryn, right? Like you were right. a different kind of person and, and you, you, you could operate as long as you left all those other things at the threshold. And then when you left work, you could put them all back on and go about your merry business. And, and I think that what has happened, you know, a lot of people say, well, Deanna, this is all brand new. Nah, it's not really brand new. It's just brand new that more people have the same expectation than a lot of people who are, have been in the majority have had all along, right? Yeah. That there is an expectation that, hey, I should be able to show up fully. I shouldn't have to take off and put on this other mask. I should be able to, to show up as a woman of color. I should be able to show up as a, you know, from the LGBTQI plus community. I should be able to show up and be accepted for who I am. Not this pretend, you know, suit that you that 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 is assumed I need to put on in order to be successful in my organization. And that's right. powerful. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. C-Suite Radio. Very, yeah, ex extremely powerful. And within that, you you kind of break it up. It, it's, it's, it's just sort of the organization of it is really unique because you, you discuss personal development and then how that juxtaposes with organizational development and I and it was I wasn't expecting it because I really just thought this would be about organizational development but can you give us some insight as to why that personal development component is really important for you um, in terms of the groundwork of the book yeah I mean so here's the thing when we talk about these issues a lot of people don't even want to broach this topic they're afraid of it there's a and the reason for that is because we've been taught our whole lives that these are taboo topics that we we don't we don't talk about them right that that if we talk about them in some way it might actually create a problem and so one of the things that you have to be able to be really comfortable with is understanding some of that baggage that you're bringing into the conversations themselves because i think you know i and i i will tell you just to be really blunt about this right sure. i've had leaders heart 100% in the right place, like desire to want to make a change, uh, really even the ability to make the change, right, at a, a leadership level or whatever, where they could, they could make the change. And then something goes awry. Somebody says something that's a little bit sideways, and you just see their confidence sort of um, get shattered, right? And you, they, and they go back to this like place of fear. Oh, I knew if I, you know, stepped in, I knew if I, and and it's it's really hard to watch. And so one of the things that we have been able to see that helps people, you know, not get into this place of like doom and gloom, and I can never do that, or just fear and not even be able to get over that fear, is just spending a little bit of time and reflection of who you are. Right, because when it gets hard, when it gets a little bit tiresome, when it gets confusing, and it's outside your scope of, of expertise. If you don't have that foundation, it's really easy to fall apart. It's also yeah. really easy to seem inauthentic. 
right? Because we also like when we're asked, I call them the DEI emergency calls, right? When we get those like 911 calls, like, oh my gosh, something went wrong. Inevitably, it almost always can be traced back to somebody was stepping in a place where they couldn't authentically step because they hadn't done some of that pre-work, right? And so that is why it was really important to start with what is it about you? What is your autobiography? What is your experience in this? What are your skills? Um, the other thing is, is just for longevity, right? We could come up with any kind of millions of programs, but if you're not doing it from a place of joy, which is a huge component of the way that we teach, but if you're not doing it from a place of joy and you're also not doing it from a place like that you know how to sustain, it's not gonna be sustained. And so that's another reason, right? Is we, this is not like a one and done. Oh my goodness, I hit these couple of boxes. Now I'm done. This is, you know, forever and ever will be good. No, it's an evolutionary process. And so you have to know what your skills are coming in. And when you were researching the landscape, Deanna, of, of books like this that existed, what did you find in terms of DEI in the workplace? What were the resources that existed before your book? Yeah, you know, I think that there are brilliant people out there. In fact, I am so happy to everybody that I was able to learn from and continue to learn from. And so it was really great, actually, just being able to go into depth, right, with all of these great thinkers. I think the one place where I was just noticing a gap, and this is really what I tried to respond to in the book, was how to make it very practical, uh, you know, I think that sometimes what I would see is like a lot of theoretical conversation, which is in 100% warranted because there's incredible, you know, this is about changing behavior. So you, you need to understand like the theories that surround these concepts. There's also like a lot of soci sociology, a lot of like history, right, which also is really important because this didn't just happen, right? This is grounded in history and, and a long history of different kinds of things manifesting. And so having a deep understanding of that, but also recognizing that we are living in one of the most challenging times to be a, a person in business, right? Like everything around us is changing the way that we deliver products, where we deliver, how our people are, everything is changing. And so also recognizing that the end user really who wants to move and needs to have that catalyst, needs to be ignited, needed to have something that was tangible and digestible, right? So taking all of that beautiful history, sociology, taking all of that theory and being able to make it into something that could be very practical, right? So, so is all that baked in there? Yes, it's baked in there. Thanks to my wonderful editor, we were able to take it from 167 million thousand words, you know, down to something that was readable. <laughs> um, so there, but it's delivered in a way that really allows for you to access it immediately. You should be able to read a chapter, put it down and go to work. Deanna, something I, I really appreciated is um, the practicality of the book and these personal anecdotes that you incorporate, because you mentioned that so many of the books on the market are so theoretical, right? It reminds me of when I was in college, everything was theoretical and there were no real life examples, but you've done the exact opposite. How did you go about sort of narrowing down which stories you were going to include? Because they're there for such a specific purpose. So I'd imagine you had so many to choose from. Yeah, it was actually really um, an interesting process. I'm so grateful to my editor at Penguin for being able to walk me through that. Uh, just because every one of the stories was so dear to my heart. But the way that the stories actually came to fruition is kind of an interesting thing in and of itself. The story that actually sparked the book didn't even make it into the book. So just so you know how many stories there really were. So the the, the story sort of that started the book was I was uh, headed into a board meeting and I had, it was a big project. I had done all the work on the project. I'm the one who teed it up. I had the decision-making power in the, in the organization. I was in a 
investor. I was going to an investee. So I also had the power in that, in that situation. But in preparation for it, I called my counterpart at the other organization and I said, hey, you know, I'm a type of personality. Like I really, really appreciate doing things really well, right? So I said, what is it that we could do to make sure that this is going to be something that there's no problems with? We'll definitely get it approved from your board. Um, and she took a deep breath, right? And she said, Deanna, in the 20 years I've been here, this is the best work my board has ever seen. But if you really want to make sure that there's no problems, I think you should bring a white man with you. Unbelievable. And <laughs> right? But here I am, right? At the top of my career, the, the, the lead of an organization and investor and an investee, you know, was telling me this and that story didn't even make it into the book. But what ended up happening is I came home, I'm trying to process what happened. I'm all the feelings, right? I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. Um, and I'm hurt. I'm sad. Right. And I'm, I'm talking to my husband. He's sitting at the, he's at the, the stove and I think he's looking at a recipe, but actually he starts taking notes of our conversation and we go back and forth for only like 45 minutes. And I share with him like, oh yeah, remember, it's kind of like, reminds me of this time. It reminds me of this time, right? I'm just processing what's happened and realize like at the end of 45 minutes, he takes his phone, shows it to me and he has listed 27 other times where something very similar has happened. So the stories that are in the book, there's, there's not 27 stories in the book, right? But there are stories that related to the topic areas where I thought the most transformation could happen, really where people could see the most immediate impact if they were able to bring those ideas and concepts into their organization. So I don't know, maybe there's another book there because I still have a lot of stories that have yet to be told. Yeah, a lot of stories. I'm still processing the, the comment, bring a white man with you. That's just mind blowing. Um, but you know, on that, I don't want to give too much away, but there were you know, stories about two job candidates that you share in the book, Anitra versus Wendy. And um, that's all I'll say, but it, it's there to show kind of this transformation, um, you know, to bring home that point. You also talk about... Um, in another chapter, who's hanging with the boys. And that, that piqued my interest because I, I thought to myself, what does that mean? And that's about you not attending happy hour as an intern um, and kind of all that goes with it and how, to, how it kind of changes the trajectory of your, your path as an intern. So um, very useful. Obviously they were picked very specifically, the stories. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think everybody has a, a different story to tell, right? I mean, I genuinely believe that. I have a whole company called Story to Tell Books, right? Because I think that everybody has something that can help them, everybody else around them understand how they got into that role, how they got into that position, how their, their story manifests, right? And I think that the power of storytelling is that once you tell your story, then other people feel really comfortable being able to tell their story. It's this act of vulnerability. It's this act of leadership. So not only were the stories chosen, you know, really with intention of making sure that I could illuminate all of the different kind of concepts I was talking about, but they were also done with intention of helping model why it's important for us to be able to recognize our own stories. You know, it, it, it doesn't take long, right? If I ask this question, can you think about a time where you felt excluded? Like you were on the playground and you weren't chosen, uh, you were up for a promotion and you were passed over, right? Just the time where you, you walked into a space and you're the only person who didn't know anyone, right? We all know kind of what that feels like. But then here's my, a, a better question and a more fun question. Can you think about a time when you were included? Can you think about a time where you walked into a place and you just felt like, oh my gosh, I belong here, right? Where it almost feels like a warm hug, even if nobody's hugging you, just feel like, yeah, this is, this is it. I, I, can, I can really be here and I can be okay here and I feel safe and I feel comfortable here. 
Yeah. We spend no, that's so much time. So right true. At work. Yeah. And, and and why would we why would we ever want to create an environment where we were replicating that feeling of exclusion when it's so easy to create an environment where we can replicate that feeling of inclusion? And to me, like ultimately, like that idea of storytelling, bringing people in, having that conversation is really trying to say, hey, come on in. I want to learn from you too. Here, here's what I have to tell. Here's here's what I've learned along the way. And it's not yeah. all glowing, right? I make mistakes. There, there's definitely mistakes that I've made in the book too that I talk about. And so yeah. I think that's just an important part that this is an evolution. We have to have a growth mindset, right? We have to be here and be willing to make changes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. C-Suite Radio. You know, we're out of time, but something that you spent a lot of time in the book, uh, this idea that DEI is the financially smart thing to do. And you talk about profitability, quality, marketability, durability, viability, um, provability. And I thought how you broke that down was really ingenious. So even in the, in the viability, um, you know, argument, you talk about, you know, a real life example of what Nike did with Colin Kaepernick, which I thought was, you know, we wanted to, we want to see as a reader, and I was going to ask you real life examples. Was that hard for you to break that down into terms of this idea of why it's financially the smart thing to do? Absolutely not. And I think that one of the things, um, you know, that we just wrestled with is how do we make sure that we give people sometimes the permission to be able to talk about these terms from a financial yeah. perspective and not just a moral perspective. Both of them are incredibly important, but I have to tell you that if you are putting your diversity, equity, inclusion work in the charity bucket, like, oh, this is the nice thing to do, right? First of all, that's not sustainable. Second, it'll change on the whim, right? Because it's it doesn't hit the, le the level of being part of the organization strategy. And so for me, that part was so incredibly important to really break down, one, give people the permission, hey, you don't have to run away from this. Like you can embrace this. It doesn't make you less of a good person, right? We we can't only put this conversation about first equity inclusion in a moral space because what it does, it one, it moralizes and then people are afraid to get engaged. Two, it makes it seem like, oh, this is just, you know, kind of like a nice little add-on, a little cherry on top, as opposed to, no, this is a concrete component of whether or not you're going to be a successful organization. And so for me, not only was it not hard to write, but it was like one of the most joyful places for me to write that because I just see so many people shying away from it. And I think it hurts. I think it hurts the field. I think it hurts the sector. I think it actually hurts the organization's opportunities to grow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, something else you touched upon also, because there, there is that school of thought, Deanna, of people who say that resumes should be blind, right? You shouldn't even put your school down, your uh, gender, your ethnicity, any of that. And it really should just be based on merit. How do you feel about that argument? Yeah, so I like to take people who have that argument and push them all the way with it. Right. Sure. Because I think that that's a really important thing to talk about. A lot of times we will hear the opposite. We'll hear, well, I just want to hire the best person. At the end of the day, it's not about we're not discriminating. We're just trying to hire the best person. And then I say, great. Well, let's let's really let's let's 
let's uh, dig down deeper in that, right? Let's go even further in that. And let's really look at what are the qualities that you're looking for in your organization? Well, if I eliminate all these other things, you should be able to discern whether or not one candidate is a better candidate over the other. And every time this is done, guess what happens? Marginalized groups get hired faster. And so if, if you were really looking from the very onset for the person who is most qualified, then we wouldn't have seen these disparities. It would have been the same numbers. But at the end of the day, it's never that way. Never in any research project that's been done in, the, in, in this space. And I think that that's an important thing to understand. So I not only do I welcome that, but I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Let's play this game because I know how it's going to end. And I think it's going to surprise you. Deanna, there's so much to get to, but what I'm so curious about is what is next for you? Because you have so many projects on your plate. So I am so excited because for every person who's able to purchase the book, they actually, if they go to our website, they can share that they purchased the book and then they get access to a free online foundations course. We also have an opportunity for people who want to read this as a book club to be able to read the book um, as a book club and, and, and really as a group, right? The whole idea here wasn't to just have one tool and then everybody would be left alone and, and to their own devices. The idea here was really to be able to create something that people could come back to as a tool they could use for years and years and years. And so my hope is that not only will people read the book, but they will really become part of our community. We do a number of things. We host a How to Be an Ally Summit every year. We have our membership group. We have uh, classes that we do a professional certificate in DEI. So a lot of different ways that we can really help strengthen the, the really the, the skill set and upskill the people who are interested in this space and understand that being well-versed here is going to be one of the must-haves for leaders of the future. Yeah, and especially when you talk about in the book how DE, you know, DEI is something that is really important to millennials and they're taking over the workforce. So it's, it's, all, uh, it's all very relevant. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Congrats on book number six. And uh, we'll see you hopefully for book number seven to come. Amazing, thank you so much. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.